You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply before we begin this week's episode, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of this land on which we work, live, and record, and recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. We pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. P.S. Hello everyone and welcome back to PS Meet Me at Stage Door. Now today we have a very special deep dive for you, but before we get into it, over to Libby for the bulletin. In latest news, the Australian tour of Come From Away has announced its upcoming Brisbane season. This true story of 7,000 air passengers who became grounded in Gander, Newfoundland in Canada due to September 11 is definitely not a show to miss. It will be the first major musical to be put on in Queensland and will open at QPAC's Lyric Theatre from the 28th of March 2021 for a strictly limited season. It was announced last week that Hedwig and the Angry Inch has been postponed due to casting concerns brought forth by the LGBTQIA community within the casting of a cisgendered male in the title role. The casting choice highlighted many concerns from the community about representation for gender non-conforming, non-binary and transgender performers within the show and industry. They have since decided to take a step back and stated, We wish to assure the trans and LGBTQIA community that the issues raised are respected and taken very seriously. We appreciate your patience in giving us time to properly consider these concerns and respond accordingly. We look forward to seeing how the show progresses. Another exciting show hitting Australian shores is Rent, presented by the Sydney Opera House in association with LPD's Productions and Sugary Rum Productions. This Tony Award and Pulitzer Prize winning show will star Callum Francis and Sean Miley Moore alongside direction by our esteemed guest today, Sean Rennie. The show will be on from the 27th of December 2020 to the 31st of January 2021. Head to the website at www.sydney operahouse.com for more information back to you tori so today we're going to be doing a deep dive into into the woods but before we tell you a little bit about the show itself today we are actually going to be joined by sean rennie an award-winning nida and rada graduate director he has received three sydney theater award nominations for best director and won the broadway world award for best direction of a musical for his 2016 production of rent with the hayes theater company he is also set to redirect the 2020-21 production of rent at the opera house please welcome sean hi everybody hi guys Hello. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us for this discussion on Into the Woods. You're most welcome. I, any chance to talk about Into the Woods is um, welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, what we might do, because I just feel this is, this is going to be a, a long discussion. Um, so, Libby, do you want to give us a little bit of background on Into the Woods? Of course. So for those of you who don't know Into the Woods, it is a musical with music by Stephen Sondheim and a book by James Lapine. The show is a modern twist on the Brothers Grimm stories and Charles Perrault fairy tales that centres around the characters of Cinderella, Jack and the Beanstalk, Rapunzel and Little Red Riding Hood, all tied in with the new tale of the baker and the baker's wife. 
The plot revolves around a curse that the witches play, the witch places on the Baker's family that sends the main characters on a journey to retrieve items to reverse the curse. Along their journey, the tales of all these popular fairy tale characters are intertwined as they pursue their wishes into the woods. <laughs> Amazing. That is a little bit about the show itself. I guess I would love to know, Sean, because the, the whole reason that we asked you to come on today is because um, uh, since working with you recently, I, I know how much you love this show, mm. how it's like your child. What um, like uh, has like drawn you towards Into the Woods and what what's something like what makes you really just want to do it? I guess my love of Into the Woods started when I was... Um probably an early teen, I saw an amateur production of Into the Woods at Bank Sound Theatrical Society. And, uh, and I just, it blew me away in terms of um, its humor, but the, the, the combining of the Grimm's fairy tales and the way they were intertwined. I just loved it. It was also, I guess, I was probably 12 or 13. And one of the first times I saw a musical that had a real, like, darkness to it. Um, you know, Act One is so joyful and funny, and and but then Act Two takes quite a dark turn, and it just really, I, it just really took me by surprise. It, and you know, it seems silly now to, that Into the Woods can take anyone by surprise because it's so well known. But you know, as a twelve-year-old who'd never seen it before, I um, I was really taken by it, and then I became obsessed with the um, well, it was a VHS at the time, so. <laughs> That's showing how old I am. A VHS of the original <laughs> Broadway, the original Broadway company with Bernadette Peters. Yes, um, the Queen herself. <laughs> yes, and uh, so I became obsessed with that. Like I pretty much wore the tape out, you know, <laughs> by watching it over and over and over again. Um, and yeah, so that's when I first became obsessed with it. What still draws me to it today is that even, and this is true of most on-time shows, I think. Um, or most great uh, uh, lyricists, when you listen to their lyrics, every time I see the show, or every time I listen to the album, I hear something new that that strikes me as um, a, a total new, uh, like it enlightens me in, in the human condition in a way that I hadn't heard before. And, and that's true every time I work on it sometime. I'm just like, oh, wow. I've never thought of that before. How have I listened to this musical for 20 years and never realized that that's what he was talking about, you know? Um, yeah. And that, that constant <laughs> sense of discovery and that constant sense of, um, of opening up of the human condition just just fascinates me and draws me to it over and over and over again. Sondheim definitely is. I think, like you said, with an, any great lyricist, there are things so often that you're like, I was uh, watching Hamilton again the other day since, you know, the election, it kind of just felt like the right thing to be watching. Um, and listening to it again, you just like pick up on little things or find new meaning in things that it is just like, I don't, how did it, how did they come up with this? Like, I, like I try and write. But it's never going to be at that level, like where like you're constantly listening to it and hearing new things. And I think that's because our lens is constantly changing. And, you know, similarly with, um, you know, right now I'm working on Rent, as you said, and, you know, I directed it five years ago. But yeah. the lens, the world is such a different place. The the audience's mm. lens of how they approach a piece of art change, is constantly evolving and constantly changing. And so that's why... Um, you know, live theatre, I think, you know, as we, as we, as we deep dive more and more into our phones and our, and our computers and our digital world, um, I, I personally believe that live theatre is going to become more and more craved and more and more desired because it is a constantly evolving um, beast that you can, you can come and watch a great piece of theatre with a new lens compared to when you watched it five years ago, for example. And, and all of a sudden it takes on a new meaning because your life experiences has um, changed or your personal situations have changed and you hear things with new ears. And I think with Into the Woods, it's so, it's such a great um, analogy for just what it is to, to be a human and to be living and, and to desire and then to, to sit with the, um, re, re, to sit with the repercussions of our, 
our wishes and our and and response you know to take responsibilities for our decisions um mm. it's so it's so dense with just all the stuff that it is to be human and i i love it <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because i didn't love love the musical when i first watched it which is i know controversial um but when i did the show and i really looked at the lyrics and i could unpacked it in a new way and really actually listened to what Suntime was saying and really look at it through also I was a bit older as well it easily became one of my favorite musicals from then just the words and the word play and how witty it is but also how it's it's a farce it's like comedy but like there's some drama in there and it's it gets dramatic and quite dark as well um and how Suntime really is able to move from the comedy straight into something tragic that happens, which is so brilliantly written in this show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, maybe we could start by talking about, because I feel like we're kind of already on the, the track of it, but maybe we should start talking about some of the themes of the show. That might be a good way to kind of introduce people to Into the Woods a little bit. Sure. Sure. I think there's so many themes that we can talk about <laughs> with this show in particular. There's a lot. I guess one of the ones that I see very, you know, that, that happens a lot in the show is that of, like, the theme of adolescence. Mm-hmm. And especially between the Act 1 and Act 2, where in Act 1 you've got... You know, they're all very wishful thinking and excited and everything like that. They're they're wanting their dreams. And then in Act 2, it's where reality sets in. It's almost like taking that childhood and and really Mm. showing them the world in a way, like from Act 1 to 2. Yeah. And I think um, a great, like, kind of almost um, example of that is... I know things now. Like, Little Red Song, it it really Mm. is such a difference of... Between Act 1 and 2, I'm going to sound like a noob if I've just said that and that song actually isn't <laughs> in Act 2. Ignoring ignoring that, but still, I think her it does, like you were saying, with adolescence and everything that happens in the woods, with I Know Things Now, she went into the woods so, you know, wanting to touch, you know, wanting to collect flowers and she's on the way to see her grandmother and she's got the bread... It's all very innocent until she meets the wolf. Well, yeah, because to me, it's that song is all about sexual awakening. It's um, you know, it's her realizing her, uh, you know, the dangers of. That's actually my issue with the Disney film was that they, they, you know, they took a lot of the darkness out of it and a lot of the adult sort mm-hmm. of nature of it out of it. Um, but yeah, absolutely, it shows about the the journey through life, the woods, you know. Um, you know, mm. uh, the woods being representative for just our, our world, you know, um, and <laughs> and people, you know, recklessly, naively, childlike, you know, storytelling, storybook-wise, um, you know, like getting their wishes and, and not really thinking about the consequences of their wishes. And, mm-hmm. that, and that is a very adult... Um, thing to think about, you know, and so I think you're right. That sense of adolescence, that sense of like learning some of life's hard truths, and that that journey between innocence and 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 adulthood, you know, which is sort of the difference between yeah. Act One and Act Two, you know, um, you know, the, the, I I've always had this theory. I I, I believe sometimes actually denies this, but the show was written in '87. It won the Tony Award in '88. Uh, you know, and, you know, if you think about what was happening in America in 87, 88, it was, you know, right as, as AIDS was ravaging the community, the community. And, and, and the show is about a community of people who recklessly are going around getting what they want and their heart's desires without thinking of any consequences. And because of those actions, um, this community is ravaged by an unseen force that comes through and wipes out more than half the community. And then those that are left, um, those that are left point fingers at each other and blame each other and shirk responsibility. And they, mm-hmm. they want to, they want to blame each other. You know, there's even scenes where, um, there's a scene where the, I think it's Cinderella's stepmother says 
something about you can't trust the government in an emergency or you can't trust you know oh because they go off on their own they try to find their own way out yeah and i think yeah. you know you have to bear in mind that in 88 89 the, it was a reagan government that you know reagan refused mm. to say the word aids for you know for years into the epidemic and so you know there's a, so much to me that is always about you know the giant sort of essentially representing the hiv pandemic and and the and the lessons that this community had to grapple with and you know they you know eventually the characters in the play learn and i think similarly you know people you know dealing with any pandemic but especially the hiv pandemic sort of realize that the only way through it is by working together and by stop point stop pointing fingers at each other and work together to to solve this crisis and then and then look at the wreckage of your life and 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 try to see the value in in the things you, you've learned you know be careful of the things you say because children will listen so i just think it's so beautifully poetic and um mm. and really you know got so much darkness to it that i the best production i saw i saw a fiasco there's a company in new york called fiasco theater company mm -hmm. and they yep. did a production they also did merrily um last year or a couple of yeah. years ago um but i saw their production of winter the woods and it was really stripped back it was actor muso there was just a piano on stage and then they played sort of <laughs> instruments around it um and it was it was one of the most moving nights in the theater you know that I, because, you know, there's, if you really want to lean into it, you can get like, if, if, into, if, um, no things now is, um, little red sexual awakening, then, you know, no more questions is, you know, someone who's suicidal essentially saying, I just don't want to, I don't want, I want this mm -hmm. to end. I don't want to keep struggling through life. I just want it to end, you know, yeah. <laughs> running away. So it's, um, it's, it, it, I, I love it. It's it's very it, there is so much to kind of dissect within this show. Yeah, I was just gonna say that that even if um you know when Sun Time was writing his, this and he says it's not about the AIDS you know pandemic, I guess pandemic could you say that um that happened, it's more like there's no way that that could have been happening around him and it not have influenced the music mm. even if he says it wasn't directly what he was thinking about. There's no way that that huge thing in the world and especially in the theater community would have it would have been big um that it couldn't have affected the writing yeah and i mean i guess um something i found <laughs> i was watching like i watched it last night just to like have a think and there was something that came up that i was like oh i'd never thought about it before but each of the characters that die in the show i had realized that they were kind of the seven deadly sins, which I thought that was really interesting. And I'd never thought of it that way before. I know really odd. I'd never really thought of it that way. But if you think about it, the wolf dies because of gluttony. The Jack's mother dies because she's greedy. The mm. witch is envious. Like she wants to get, be beautiful. She eventually dies. Um, Lust is the baker's wife. She dies after she has, from I always yeah. find that a little um I always find that a little bit like oh the woman cheats and then she dies like you know oh like, right that was something that I had really noted because I don't I don't yeah. I don't like that death very much I really don't like no. that death at all it feels very much like I know that um I think Lapine said that it's realism because he just wanted someone to die for the sake of dying to, because that's something that happens every day. People, you know, we don't go out and somehow die and there is some deep meaning behind that death. But I'm also like, interesting that you chose the married woman who just had an affair to be the one that dies. Very yeah. interesting choice. It yeah. is very tragic. I think that's, that's the great thing about great pieces of art is that, you know, uh, they're constantly reinterpreted, reinterpreted, and and um, and open for dis discussions just like we're having right now. Exactly. And I think uh, speaking of the baker's the wife, because this just irks me. And then when I kind of did more reading into it, and the fact that the what uh, James Lapine says he was going with was realism with the film, I find it very interesting that because in in the Disney adaptation, she falls off a cliff. 
Mm. And it's kind of it's kind of a bit of an odd. It's kind of like she does it to herself. Well, in the in the stage show, she falls off a cliff as well. Um, she, does I'm she? pretty sure. What does she get squished? Yeah, she gets then... squished. That's that's what that's. This is the conversation we were having when I've looked at all of the synopsises of the show, and in the version that I have seen on stage, she was squished. Let me just. I've got the script in front of me. Let yes. me have a look. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I remember vividly, you know, maybe it's that thing of, like, you remember. I remember the OG, you know, production. I remember her falling off a cliff, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Wife begins counting her steps as she heads off stage. She stops and retraces her steps, uncertain of her direction. She begins to go in another direction when she stops hearing the approach of the giant in the distance. The sound moves steadily towards her. In panic, she retreats. Loud noise and dramatic lights and set change as Wife falls backwards. Blackout. Music fades, lights up on Baker. Ah. Yeah. So it kind of doesn't say if she does get squished or if she falls off a cliff. No, it's but then... kind of a little bit... Bear with me because I feel like whenever the Baker finds out that she's dead, there might be a line. Uh, which, she's dead. Baker, what? Jack, I'm sorry, Sarah. I came upon her. She was under a tree. He was sobbing over her like she was his own mother. So, oh. yeah. Okay, so she, so it may be a, huh, interesting. So she got crushed by a tree then. Well, it's it's un, it's sort of up to interpretation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, going off what you're saying about the James the Pine, you know, the randomness of death. Sometimes people mm-hmm. do just get hit by a bus, you know, and yeah. sometimes, you know, and I think as opposed to being uh, hit by a calamity if we're using the HIV reference, which is, again, <laughs> that's just my interpretation, you know, like, <laughs> she, yeah, like, the life happens and yeah. shit things happen to all of us in many different ways, you know. Um, you know, I hope that, you know, hopefully you can try to find a way to sort of work through the sort of moralistic element of it. Um, you know, but I guess bear in mind it was written in the late 80s, the world, mm-hmm. um, by two men you know like the world is a very different place yeah Yeah. and the world is a very different place in terms of uh how we write female characters now than it was 30 years ago so um that is true there's actually it was interesting i when looking at the movie um there's actually i didn't realize there is a deleted song that they wrote for the film uh, which I'm kind of glad they didn't put in because it's not, you know, it wasn't in the original work. Uh, but they did actually have another song written for Meryl Streep, which uh. I can't remember what it was. It was right after the reprise of Children Will Listen, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's after with, Rapunzel it's, yeah, runs away. Yeah, Rapunzel, isn't yeah, it? Rapunzel yeah. runs away. And it's interesting because it kind of, I don't know, when I watched it, I was like, oh, it kind of humanizes the witch a little. And I liked it, but I was also like, mm, it's not a part of the original work. But yeah, it's interesting because they don't kill Rapunzel, so they kind of needed something. Yeah, because they don't kill Rapunzel, which is very strange. So I think that they use that as a, another device to kind of change the plot a little bit, mm. which I'm like, nah, not, I don't like that. And there's another, there's another song that's not on the Broadway album they're called Our Little World, which is generally between yeah. Rapunzel and the witch. Yes. Which sort of sort of sets up their relationship a bit yeah. better. Yeah, I have yeah. actually I have actually I like um I watched the um what is it called? The Hollywood Bowl when uh, we you know it was Sutton Foster and Sarah Bogus. And I can't remember if it's that production or a different one that I've seen where they actually added that in. But it did give me a very different sense of the witch, a much more loving, motherly figure, which I actually, I kind of like because I feel like one of the dangers with the production, um, especially more, you know, small, like, you know, school productions and stuff that I have seen before, is just making the witch the villain, as if she is the only villain in the show. And I'm like, oh, she's not. They're all kind of... Oh, yeah. So... I don't think she's a... I, don't, no, I mean, there are no such things as, as villains, you know? I think if you, mm. like, mm. you know, life is much more complex than that. The thing about... And yeah. she says this, you know... In um, Last Midnight, she's mm-hmm. she's the truth teller. Like she's the one who sort of like forces them to sort of, you know, 
tries to get them to see reality, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so you know when she when she commits suicide at the end there, which is essentially what happens at the end of Last Midnight, it's yes. she um she's you know just trying to sort of like get to get them to say, well, screw whose fault it is, and it's just life. Like we've got to we've got to survive. We've got to be a bit more practical and a little more you know. Um, but yeah, I I always liked our little world because I think um, I think it does humanize her a bit Mm -hmm. and sort of gives much more of a sense Mm -hmm. of why she of why she needs Rapunzel you know um you know I've always yeah it's a fascinating character because you know she also she covets beauty so much and her youth and her you know Mm -hmm. the super the things superficial things that um you know she she wants but it's almost like she like she almost like wants to be Rapunzel as much as be Rapunzel's mother. Like she, she covets her beauty and her, yeah. you know. Yeah. I always love the line, I'm not good, I'm not nice, I'm just right. And how she says that you're all nice. And it's that interesting thing that people say about nice people. It's like, are they really good? Are they bad? Mm. No, you're just in the middle. Like you're ambiguous. Yeah. Like nice is not a nice, a good thing to, to, say to someone um oh you're so nice what does that mean you know um so I just found that so interesting that um you know she's seen as a villain but she's just like the Mm. rest of the the characters and she makes mistakes and she has flaws yeah and I think it it, it is that whole thing of good versus evil in any show I, I think but especially with this one there is no one person that is in the right there is no one person that is in the wrong they all do things they perceive her as being this evil character but she is she's just right she's pointing out the fact of what they're all doing that they're blaming each other that they're trying to take things away from each other because they want to get their wish without care for without care for consequences for the consequences of themselves for each other which is exactly then what happens in act two is you do get all of these consequences they've all got their wish and you know cinderella's got her prince the baker's wife has their baby um but then you see how much they're struggling and how realistic of a struggle they do have with then all of a sudden having a baby they had this picture perfect idea in their mind of what it was going to be like and we don't like to hear hard truths we don't like someone to tell us Mm. you know you can have that wish but it's going to cost you this you know um you know, she says it, I'm the hitch, you know, like mm-hmm. the fly in the ointment, essentially, <laughs> like we don't. And so, you know, it's, it's easy to vilify, you know, if, if you're living a, if you're, you know, justifying your existence somehow, and then someone comes along and tells you, look, you're, you doing that is causing harm somewhere, or, you know, mm-hmm. doing damage, then you're likely to sort of tell that person to piss off, you know, because <laughs> we don't want to, we don't want to be told hard truths. And, um, and sh- and she does, you know, she tells them that. But again, but she is flawed, and she is has her own sort of like desires and wishes herself that she is actively going out to like. She essentially sets the whole thing off in in motion, really. By well, yeah. and one would argue that maybe one would argue that um, the baker's father actually set the whole thing off in motion um, by stealing the mm-hmm. beans in the first place. And so that becomes then for me that becomes about generational trauma and generational sort of um guilt and pain and you know lessons learned from generation to one generation and um how to how to lift ourselves out of that cycle um yeah you know and how to sort of you know that's why you know no more always moves me so much um because his father has obviously ran away um and deserted his family and mm-hmm. he's and he the baker is now thinking of doing exactly the same thing and you know and and just not wanting to face life anymore and so that becomes much more sort of about you know is it is it about generational depression is it about you know you know so i mean there's so many and, and you know you never want to get too heavy-handed about this thing but it's just all grist for the mill in terms of like discussing it and analyzing it and for as actors that's why it's so wonderful and as a director it's like a, such a wonderful piece because there's so much here to sort of unpick and 
and di- many different paths yeah. to go down. And that's Definitely. why it's so satisfying, that the show. That's why um, you can really sink your teeth into it and get to really look at all the nuance that comes with the show. But I think that can also be like what you're saying, that there is so much in the show that I think some productions... Um, I've definitely seen a production that I think was aware how much there is that you can touch on in the show and they tried to touch on everything a little bit too much that it was kind of like they had 20 ideas that they were all trying to bring to the show. Well, I guess it's about, um, you know, it being in a concise world, the, the world, whatever the vessel of the show is, whatever that might be you know, what the show might feel or look like or, you know, mm. the, the type of, um, you know, the type of interpretations of these characters needs to feel cohesive. And then once you've yeah. created a, a world and a sphere that you can, then you then you explore humanity within that world, you know. Um, but if you're trying to, if, so, if someone's trying to sort of do like the punk rock version of Into the Woods and someone else is trying to do the storybook <laughs> version and someone else is trying to do the, you know, the... Yeah you know, the really stripped back version, like it's sort of about trying to create a, a, some parameters that then from mm-hmm. there you can, you can play, you know, but that's the same of every, yeah. that, that would, that's the same of every show. To break things up a little bit is we're going to play a little bit of a game with you, Sean. Uh, well, sorry, you and Libby are going to play a game against each other. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, so this is a little bit of a, for any of our, Listeners, you will know that we sometimes do a lyric challenge. This is kind of like a lyric challenge, but I've made it a little bit harder in the sense that pretty much I'm going to read you a lyric and I'm going to get you to finish. I'm going to give you options to finish the lyric, but I have moved things around. So I'm going to give you options for these. So Libby's going to go first, uh, just so you kind of get a little bit of an idea of what we're doing. So, all right. Libby, are you ready? I'm ready. Give it to me. (laughs) Okay. So the first section of the lyric is, Into the woods, it's time to go. Now your options to finish the lyric are, Don't want to leave, I have to though. I hate to leave, I have to though. Or, we have to leave, I don't want to though. Do you know which one of those is correct? I'm so sorry. I uh, I cut out, so I didn't get to hear. Uh, <laughs> didn't get to hear the, the actual endings. Um, which one was it? <laughs> what was um? Ding 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 ding. Oh oh, Sean has it. Go for it, Sean. <laughs> I hate to leave. I have to go. That is correct. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Sorry, did not get to hear. <laughs> Sean covered me. It's great. It's fine. Um, okay, so the next one is. I tried really hard with this. Are we gonna ding, Are we dinging in? Should we? Yes. Should we ding in. Ding okay. in. Ding okay. in for Let's me. Ding in. So. All right. It's the last midnight. And then your options are: soon it will be bang smush, soon it will be boom squish. Or soon ding, it will ding, be ding. boom smush. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> I think that I think that ding, was ding, I ding. think that was Sean. Yes, Sean. Yeah, that was soon Sean. it will be boom squish. Correct. Yes. <laughs> See, I knew you were yes. just gonna know the answers to all of these. Annihilating me. <laughs> yeah, completely dominating. So the next one is a little bit hard. The, these ones are gonna have blanks, and I will give you the options for blanks. So he. He's a very blank prince. He's a prince who blanks. So the options are, he's a very sweet prince. He's a prince who prepares. He's a very smart prince. He's a prince who is there. He's a very smart prince. He's a prince who prepares. Ding, ding. <laughs> you oh. take it, Libby. You take it, Libby. Libby. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, he's a very smart prince. He's a prince who prepares. That is correct. Maybe I I tried Yay! to make it I tried to make it a little bit different this time, but uh, I don't know if it's working or not. But okay, so the next one is if I should lose her, how shall I regain the blank she has blank from me? So it's either the love she has won from me, the heart she has won from me, or the love she has stole from me. Ding ding ding. Sean. The heart she has won from me. That is correct. 
I, I think Sean is currently the winner anyway. We've got one final one. That's all right. <laughs> and this... I can't hear. My internet connection is terrible right now. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it's all right. Got one. <laughs> so this one is quite easy, but I should have heeded her advice. But he seemed so kind, nice, or sweet. Be nice. Yes. <laughs> you are sorry ding, ding, ding. Nice. it's nice oh look Daddy I, seems so you nice. you very politely raised your hand i will i will happily take that <laughs> well done libby I'm, I'm sure it was it's just because my internet connection's better that's all oh yeah oh sure 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 <laughs> no no congratulations you well deserved yes. win uh, but I guess something we wanted to talk to you about was that um, I know you have mentioned that you would die happy if you had the opportunity to direct a production of Into the Woods and I guess we wanted to chat to you a little bit about how you would you know go about doing the show how you would tackle it and its themes like kind of like what's your interpretation of how you would want to put on the show um yes i think i said i, I wouldn't be able to die a happy man until i direct a production of into the woods um, ah, um right. so <laughs> yeah no, no but that's true and then i've got to be a little careful here because um you don't want to give away all your ideas <laughs> so no. yeah yeah you know, yeah yeah um, but certainly, I look, and it and it's constantly evolving. Um, it constantly, it will, and it would be evolved depending on circumstances such as theatre and cast and you know time. Mm. You know, for example, like with Rent right now, I can speak to the fact that you know this is a new production of Rent because five years ago the production that I directed, um, which was very special to me, it would be impossible to try to recreate that production right now. So mm. you know, you've got to. And so my, my journey with Into Woods has, has evolved since that 13-year-old kid saw it at Bankstown Theatrical Society. I've, I've gone through many different versions. There, at one point I was going, I was thinking of many years ago now, but um, sort of riffing on the HIV uh, metaphor that I was talking before, I, you know, I thought about really doing a very um, all-male queer production of Into the Woods, and this was years ago, um, oh. and sort of doing and really sort of like upping the, the queer factor. I think that's still probably where I would go, but obviously I don't think I'd do a normal production now. I think it would be, you know, the reason I love it is because it's so um, open to to such interpretation. But but at the heart of it, though, the, the exploration of humanity inside of it is is still is still the um, the key. These and so the, as I was talking about before, that sort of vessel of the show would change mm. that, that vessel. And depending on what I would lean into, you know, I, I used to think that, uh, you know, the woods, for example, would be, yeah, but this was, this was an old idea. So I guess I'm happy to let it go. Um, <laughs> but I, it, uh, you know, that um, if you're using the, the queer sort of, um, and the HIV reference that sort of, you know, the woods would be sort of like a, like a, like an Oxford Street or a, or a Chelsea in New York or a oh, Soho yeah. in London, like a, like an area where people, where um, queer culture gather. And then the names of like the festival and grandmother's house and would all be representative of different venues, you know, yeah. and then, and, cool. and then, um, and yeah. And so then, and then act two sort of is like in a post-apocalyptic sort of version of that world. So, you know, that was, that was an idea. If anyone, if anyone of your listeners steal that idea, I'm that's I'm that's copyrighted sue. by Sean Rennie. He can, he can sue you. Yeah, copyrighted. We'll come for you. And that con- continually evolves, and and you know, I guess also I've also learned that you know the way I work now as a director is much um, in in great response to with the designer and with the team around me, and, and now nowadays yeah. um, it's sort of uh, it really depends on the brains in the room at the time. The great mm. I, you know, I, I still have a, have a strong sense of what I think Into the Woods is about. I still, I still do think it, I am, you know, I, to me, the HIV reference is sort of like built into it to me. And I think, I think that just first came to me, somebody once said it when I was in a choir, when I was about 17 or something, and it just sort of stuck. And now, and then whenever I listen to the show now, I can't help but sort of hear those themes. Um, and so I think yeah. that's certainly something that would, um, 
and 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 you know it's also like a, a period of time that i have been drawn to a few times with rent um and just you know only have a nose and um the view upstairs like uh, there's a bit of a theme in my work around queer culture and often the hiv sort of you know that that really awful period of time so um you know, I mean, I'm sort of drawn to that in still, I think, mm-hmm. to be honest. But um, yeah. But th- that constantly evolves. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I guess with the show itself, it, it like we said, it can really reflect the time period that you're in and and where the world is at right now. I guess um, a question for everyone is: Do you feel like the show can reflect society today? And in like, what way do you think it does? I certainly think it reflects society today. It's human nature. We we still put ourselves and our, our wishes before community. Like America right now is really suffering, uh, you know, a crisis of their, you know, democracy because of individualism, you know, because, uh, you know, this is, we're getting slightly larger topic here, but, you know, I think a large part of what's happening in America is because culturally they've been encouraged to, to, you know, for my my personal freedoms above the community's greater good, you know, and I think mm, that is, yes, yep. I think that is problematic. If you're not, you know, culturally, luckily, I think here in Australia, we are slightly more inclined to sort of think about our community, but but mm-hmm. not far behind America, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I think us, I think putting um. Putting, you know, when we put our our own wishes and desires in front of those of the greater good in the community, you end up, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't work well. How can how can how can I look after my house if my neighbor's house is burning down? <laughs> so, um, yeah. I think those themes yeah. are incredibly relevant and will remain to be relevant in a capitalist society. <laughs> You can definitely even see that within the coronavirus. Absolutely. And I think that's what I was talking about earlier when I was saying lens, like the lens of the audience Mm -hmm. constantly is evolving. And so, you know, as a director, you know, you're constantly questioning, okay, so how much do we lean into, how much do I need as a production to, to amplify this element? Or how much do I just trust that an audience is going to have spent their last six months thinking about coronavirus? So, you know, mm-hmm. they are going to come in with that lens already. Um, and so I I don't have to put face masks on stage because they already are there in their minds. Um, you know, and that, that's yeah. just one example. That's just one example. But and maybe another and another choice would be to put face masks on stage and really sort of it's just you're constantly sort of judging is this necessary to to make the point that I'm trying to make, to 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 get an yeah. audience to think about to get an audience to think about the type of things we as a company um, are grappling with in the exploration of this work. And, you know, theatre is, there's no such thing as a perfect piece of theatre. It's a constantly evolving thing. It's like one night will be lean like this, one night will lean like that. You know, you're constantly trying to to get it right. It should remain dynamic in the sense of its exploration of, of, of whatever you're trying to explore. And so, but that sort of constantly trying to get that right balance of getting an audience to walk away. I always say to my companies, um, you know, what is the thing that we want them to be talking about in the car when they go home? You know, like what, mm. what, what is the, mm-hmm. what is the major question that mm. they, they should be grappling with, you know? Um, and if we as a company know what that is, then, then, then we're, on our way to getting it there but we're also not really in control of it either and that's so with with a show like into the woods you know it's as i said every time you listen to it you're going to hear something new if you listen to it right now you'll hear something that sort of resonates around coronavirus or around individualism and you know that that sort of you've never heard before because it's like oh yeah that really that lyric really reminds me of that experience that i had three days ago you know um yeah, definitely. And I guess I guess a question that I wanted to ask you, um, as as you know, uh, well, everyone, I guess. Um, so if if you had to pick an absolute dream cast, if you, if you could have anyone from around the world, dead or alive, just absolutely anyone Ooh. who who would you pick as kind of a just you don't have to pick a, pick an entire cast, but who who would just be like a couple of people that you would just absolutely love to have in your cast? 
Oh, this is this is a fraught question because I'll have friends who call me and are like, <laughs> "Why didn't you tell? Why did you not pick me?" I think we can switch the question though. What what are your favorite casting choices that have been made? So there's a production of Into the Woods that I I loved, which was a Regent's Park um, production. It's like Regent's Park in London. It was it's yeah. available online. You can stream it, I think. Um, and Hannah Wa- Hannah Wa- Waddingham played um, the witch, and I think she's brilliant. And um, oh my god, Jenna Russell played the baker's wife. I think she's brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're going to ask me you, what what I thought of Meryl Streep. Um, I, I mean, she's amazing. She, she's Meryl Streep. I'm not going to like say anything bad about Meryl Streep. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, it was very exciting when she was casting it. Um, I, I actually quite liked her performance in the movie. My issue with the movie yeah. was more that it sort of was like it sort of took some of the darkness out yeah. of it. And Bernadette, like you can't really go like Bernadette's still freaking amazing. I actually thought the princes did a good job in the film. Actually, I really like quite like the princes. In yeah, the film. yeah. I thought I thought um, mm. Agony was great. So you look and you know there's I I didn't love Johnny Depp in the film. But <laughs> that's, that's okay. I didn't either. <laughs> it's okay. We won't tell. We won't tell him. It's fine. It's interesting because I kind of thought the film was. I don't. I don't know about you guys, but I thought the film was a little less funny than the stage show mm. can be. You know, like I was expecting. Like they didn't really play into like the like they. I, I think they tried to play into the darkness, but then they tried to Disneyfy mm. it. But then like, yeah, because there were some scenes that I was like. That's really funny on stage. Oh, you could. That's like comedic on stage. And then it was like, oh, that was kind of missed a little. <laughs> but it is one of those things with musical adaptations to film is they do do it. You know, you know, so many takes, and that's just the nature of film. They do so many takes that sometimes it tends to lose it loses the spontaneity of what makes it so funny or what makes a moment so sad because it kind of mm-hmm. loses. At least that's how I see it, it tends to lose some of the spontaneity of it that's probably very valid i also think it's um in, it's such a theatrical piece like it's so mm. right for theater like in terms of its larger than life <laughs> quality um i think there's sort of the pace of it in act one especially is really sort of punchy and i think that um and then act two when it slows down and you know that's i think the critique that um you made that it can feel a bit long you know the act two certainly is I remember when I first saw it when I was a kid, you, you think you get to the end of Act 1, you think you know that what the show is and well, you think the yeah. show's over, you know. Um, mm. and, then, um, and then Act 2 comes along and it's like such a different vibe. <laughs> it's like, um, and I love that, but I, but, I, but I also know that certain people find that much more challenging, um, Act 2 to be much more challenging because it does, you know, it does slow down a lot it does well thank you so much for chatting to us about all things into the woods but before we go we always love to do this little segment called bedtime stories which is basically like a show mishap or something that might have gone wrong on stage maybe you have directed a show and something went terribly wrong um do you have a stage mishap for us i mean there's there's been many there's been many over the years um the one that comes to mind instantly, though, is when I, I had directed a play called Only Heaven Knows at the Hayes, a musical at Only Heaven yeah. Knows um, at the Hayes. And uh, Hayden yeah. T was in it. And he, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was one night where I was watching the show and he, he was doing this scene and then he had to wear, a, he was wearing a wig and um, <laughs> a toupee. And then at one point during the scene, he sort of like, like, sort of like really sort of violently shook and swatted at himself. Like looked like he had, it looked like he had like a, <laughs> like some type of sh- very short fit of some kind, like really <laughs> shook. And, and then I was like, oh I gosh. was like, okay, that was weird. And he went on with the scene. And then at the end of the show, I went backstage and I was like, what happened in like scene five? And he was like, a cockroach crawled out from underneath his wig <gasps> and down his face. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. That is mm-hmm. the stuff of and nightmares. So, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like 
putting on your shoes at the um you know at the door to find that there's a spider or a snake in there but instead oh. it's a, instead it's like a cockroach in your wig oh. so you know um that That's... came that comes from that yeah so it's sort of Hayden's oh. It's Hayden's yeah. story, not mine, but um, you know, I, I'll claim it. That is amazing. You tell it anyway. You tell it anyway. That's okay. Yeah. That that was so good. Thank you so so much for look. I'm sure we could sit here for hours longer and and discuss more about the show because every topic kind of has its own things and it has its own intersections and many other paths it could lead down. But thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today about Into the Woods. We really. Um, loved it and it's so good as well to um, learn a bit more about kind of as well other people how like how you perceive the show and how you perceive like you know how at the time that it was written what was happening in the world and things like that so thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us you're welcome thank you very much for having me Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and we hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts and to send us your bedtime stories and stage door Sunday pics. We also would love to hear your feedback on the episode and what you'd like to hear from us in the future. You can let us know on our Instagram at ps.stagedoorpod, via our email at ps.stagedoor.podcast at gmail.com or contact us via our website psstagedoorpodcast.com. We love hearing from you and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.